Welcome to the Midnight Podcast. I'm Stories After Midnight, and the story we will be reading today is called I Don't Trust the Little God. It's part of a collection of stories by Tobias Wade called 54 Sleepless Nights. If you'd like, you can pick up your copy on Amazon, and I believe there is an audiobook version of it if you'd like to listen to it instead. Let's get started. We were happy once. I just got my first real salary job, and my wife was pregnant with a little one on the way. For once in our life, we weren't worried about money, and I even had some set aside to make all the preparations ahead of time. We converted my study into a nursery and painted the walls sky blue for our little boy. She added trains of yellow ducklings following their mother, and I was in charge of the white puffy clouds, the only thing I knew how to paint. We had a closet that we couldn't close because it was so full of diapers, stuffed animals, children's books and toys. We weren't intentionally hoarding, but every time we went out, my wife would see something that made her heart melt, and I was so happy to see her so happy that I never thought twice. It felt like we had waited our whole lives for a day which never came. At first, the doctor thought the pockets in his brain were temporary abnormalities that would disappear before birth. But less than a week later, we received the diagnosis of trisomy, 18, a fatal chromosomal defect. We were given the choice whether to terminate the pregnancy or let the baby be born only to hold him once, to memorize every detail of his face, the feel of his skin, the look in his eyes, before we had to say goodbye. My wife wanted to go through with it, but a few late nights later I convinced her it would be easier to never see his face at all. I was always the more pragmatic of the two of us. I thought we could just try again, and that in a few years this would be nothing but a speed bump on the road to our happy family. Fool that I am, I made the mistake of trying to cheer her up by saying we already did most of the work by preparing the nursery and all the things. I guess I didn't understand how much harder this was on her than it was on me, but I found out soon enough. The next day when I came home from work, I got the message loud and clear. Everything we'd bought for the baby was piled in the yard and burned, with only a few charred book spines and loose buttons amidst the ash to reveal what they once had been. I didn't care about that, though. I found my wife sitting in the nursery with a kitchen knife at her feet, her head buried in her knees. There were long gouges in the wall through all the little ducks, each puffy cloud shredded into loose hanging tatters. She was clutching a doll of the little prince, blonde and blue-eyed and charred at the corners. There were burns on her hands, and I can only assume that she impulsively saved it from the fire at the last second. She was mumbling and incoherent for a while, but I got the impression that she hadn't forgiven herself for not holding her baby even once. I helped her into her bed, but she wouldn't let go of the doll for a second. We talked a long time. We cried a long time. We talked again, and by the early hours of the next morning, we both had a sense that the worst was behind us. My wife promised that she would be alright, and fool that I am, I believed her. I resolved to not bring up having another kid, not until she did. I was going to let her deal with this in her own way, on her own time. That meant letting her sleep in every morning when I went to work, and finding her still in bed every night when I got home. That meant watching her once luxurious brown hair grow greasy and tangled without showering watching her gain weight as she took out her pain on cartons of Ben and & Jerry's and family-sized bags of Snicker bars. 
Apart from that, she didn't act too depressed, though. She always made an effort to engage me with cheerful conversation, and I still believed we would get through this and be alright. The only new habit that I had trouble moving past was the way her prayers changed at night. She didn't pray for her to get better or anything about the future. Her prayers were always about the boy who never came. She had this notion that he was happy somewhere and growing up in his own way in his own place, and she prayed for him in that other life. And every time she prayed, she prayed to what she called her little god, the charred doll which she'd never let out of her sight. Sometimes I'd wake up in the night and hear her whispering to it, muttering thanks for keeping her safe and watching over her little boy wherever he was. That was uncomfortable for me, but it was her process and I let her work through it. Over time, the nature of the prayers began to change though, and before long she was saying things like, next time around and my future boy. Those comments made me feel hopeful that she might finally be ready to give our family another try. There were other things she said that made me less certain, though. She kept asking the doll if it promised. Other times she'd get angry at it, and when I asked her to explain, she'd get defensive and close up, only hinting that the doll was lying to her. Even worse were the times when she affirmed a promise she made to her little god. These usually in furtive whispers when she thought I was asleep. She'd swear over and over again that she was going to follow through, only to ask over and over if it would do the same. I didn't want to intrude or make her defensive, and I never found out what that promise was. Through it all, she was putting the nursery back together and repainting the walls, though. She began taking better care of herself, although she'd still put on a lot of weight. Not long after the doll was gone, and that was the best sign yet that things are going back to normal. We were being intimate again for the first time since the incident, and I thought life had found a way to endure. The day after she'd gotten rid of the doll, I got a call while at work. It was the hospital. It was my wife. How fast could I get there? I couldn't make sense of what they were saying. Something about a fire. But I hauled ass to get there and found out soon enough. I hardly even recognized her for the burns. Every inch of skin, either red and blistered or charred so black, that I could see it crumbling off before my eyes. The doctors told me a neighbor had called to report smoke coming from the house, but my wife's condition was the only trace of the fire except for the blackened ceiling directly above her. I heard the phrase spontaneous human combustion more than once. They told me that they didn't think they could save her, but chances were good of saving the child. I told them there had been a mistake, that it had only been two months since we'd lost the last child and that there was no way for her to be pregnant. My words seemed to get lost in all the rush and bustle, though, and I was swept through one waiting room to the next, one medical form to the next, until before I had even had time to process what was happening, I was told that the boy would live, and every time I asked about my wife, the doctor just repeated that my son was going to be okay. My son. The blonde-haired boy with blue eyes. The boy who looked nothing like me and nothing like my wife but who looked a whole lot like the little god who had made a promise to her. There were two of us yesterday. There will be two of us tomorrow. But today it feels like there are less than one. I hate myself for feeling so helpless. I miss my wife who would have known what this meant. And I don't trust the little god who sleeps alone in the nursery downstairs.
that's the end of the story. I really hope you enjoyed it. I would love it if you did enjoy it. If you'd like the video, maybe subscribe for more or just let me know what you thought. And if you're on the podcast, well, I don't know what you got there for options, but I just hope you enjoyed it anyway. A huge, huge shout out to uh, to my patrons for helping make this video possible. I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, if you'd like, you can join this Discord. We hang out. It's pretty chill, but I don't want to ramble too much. Hey, just remember that even though the days are long, the years are short. So whatever you want to do, you're not going to be able to live this life again. You're not going to get a second go around. Don't let fear hold you back from the things you really want to try. Give it a shot. If it fails, it fails. But that's the least you can do. Just give it a shot. I hope you have a great day. We'll see you in the next one.